Good morning. We're reading from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to a prophet to the nations. And in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, we read, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is a special day, and uh, I want to thank everyone who worked on putting together the video. Uh, It would be Deb and Pastor Brenton with the worship, putting the songs together. I want to thank those who are leading us this afternoon in the Stand for Life. Uh, We'll be out at 82nd Avenue and State Road 60 from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And you can stay as long as you'd like. You don't have to stay the entire two hours. Feel free to, if you, if you need to, feel free to leave. But uh, come and join us. It's a stand. And we've already got the signs ready. I think Helen was going to have Galen stand, and I interrupted her, and I'm sorry about that. Galen, would you please stand? Galen Clore, please. Galen is the one who will be out there distributing the signs and kind of coordinating our event today. If you'd like to ask him questions after service, see him. He, he's the gentleman who, who passes out the, uh, and sometimes he does literally pass. He, he f- uses them as Frisbees, but he gets the, uh, the, uh, the cushions that you're sitting on to you. So uh, excited about today. One last thing I'll say before I actually start the sermon. Um, uh, we... Kurt Dillinger, who was here last week, and boy, I missed it. Man, I was so upset. I was ticked off not to be with the body on the Lord's Day, but also on a weekend when we had such great missionary speakers coming to our church to really help us gather passion for evangelism, for sharing Christ with others. And I heard they just did a phenomenal job. I watched it. I'm thankful for uh, Marshall and Jessica Pennell and the missions committee of our church for coordinating that event. Uh, We look forward to it every first part of the year, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it last week. Uh, Those guys are no nonsense, let me tell you. Uh, Okongo, uh, I know he shared, but he didn't really go into his testimony, which if you want to know what a real Christian looks like, that's the man. And uh, what, he, what he endured for the sake of Christ. And those are, those are the people that we're financially supporting on the mission field. And so what a blessing. I got a call early that morning last Sunday from Isaac Shaw, who heads up the Delhi Bible Institute. He was our speaker for Sunday morning. And, of course, Marshall shared all this with you, so I don't want to take time. But he was sick. And uh, so I said, Mar- I said, Isaac, God will provide God will provide, and boy, did he ever. Amen? 
Amen. And Isaac is feeling better, by the way. We texted this week, and he's doing much better, and he's moving on. Uh, he's, you know, he's got much ahead of him. Uh, Kurt Dillinger, another great guy. Kurt uh, has a book out, The God Who Breathes. You saw this last week, but I'm just holding it up. We probably have some copies of this in the back. And if we, yes, we do. Good. So you can pick one up in the back if you'd like. I don't know what the cost is. They'll tell you. And uh, it's zero. There's no, no cost. So take one that's in the back. And uh, he heads up Life Ministry uh, International, I think. Life International. Um, and then also we have back there, th this, is, this is so profound, so special. This is a little uh, figurine of, a, of an infant, a fetus at 12 weeks. Everything is there, fully functioning, life. And if you'd like to take one with you as a reminder, they're in the back. We'd be glad for you to take one. Well, uh, again, I'm just glad to be here today. And I'll tell you what, uh, you talk about a 180-degree turnaround because I was very ill uh, last weekend. I was in a chair, could not get out of the chair for three days. Uh, severe acute gout in both ankles and in both knees. And I went to the emergency room on Monday, was treated wonderfully down at Lawnwood. And when I, walked, when I left the hospital... Uh, I was already feeling better, and by the end of the day, the gout was gone, and I'm so thankful for that. And, uh, but I've been on a journey here the last uh, couple months where I've, I've tried to eat differently, and some of you will be happy to know that I've, 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 I've shed some pounds. Uh, amen. I know Harry's happy. Harry came up to me one Sunday morning carrying a 30-pound weight. And he said, this is what we want to see come off of you, because we want you around here for a long time. And Harry, stand up. He's, he's older than me, so he can say whatever he wants, and I listen. Amen, brother. And there's nobody in our church that shares Christ more faithfully on a daily basis than Harry. He is out there on the street standing, sharing Christ with people. So uh, I, I feel phenomenal. I'm thankful to the Lord to be here today. It's his work. And I am on a journey uh, that I want to continue to shed some weight and get down to my, my, uh, my, my, my playing, my fighting weight. <laughs> uh, I, I go down south three times a week uh, to a doctor that really works with, uh, has a great deal of understanding of, of blood work and also does chiropractic. And he is doing a phenomenal job with me. Some of you would go to him. And uh, Dr. Sima, Sima uh, Medical, but uh, I, it's just been great, and I'm thankful to God. I'll tell you, nothing, nothing hit me harder last weekend as I had three days to think about it, but how I've let my family down, I've let my wife down, I've let this church down by not caring for my body. And one of my biggest problems through my whole adult life is I've never drunk much water. I just look, look, used to look at people who are going to the bathroom all the time and say, man, what's wrong with them? I can go all day and not have to go at all. Once a day is good for me. And not realizing the, the impact of, uh, you know, dehydration on the body. I'm not saying this because I think you ought to do what I'm doing. I'm not trying to, I'm not that kind of a Christian that pushes people into what I'm doing. I think it's wrong to do that. I think we should share what God's doing in us 
and recognize where we've made mistakes and how God is helping us to correct those mistakes. That's good to share. But that's between them and the Lord, what God does in them. Amen? So thank you for your prayers. This church has prayed. I can't tell you how many text messages and Facebook instant messages and emails that I've received from this body. And I thank you so much for your prayer. I felt it, and, and it has made an impact in my life. So, amen. I'm looking forward to the next 30. Here we go. Okay. Um, we, we've been in a series called Big Questions. In week one here in January of this series, we, we looked at how can a loving God send people to hell? And before we could address the question, we had to take out the false assumptions that are built into that question. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Man chooses to go to hell. It's called human responsibility. And we looked at that. And uh, we answered that question from the Word of God. If we want answers, if you want, you know, wrong, wrong assumptions lead to false conclusions. Right assumptions. Where do you get right assumptions? The Word of God. My, my truth will pass away. His truth will never pass away. Amen? And right, conclu uh, right conclusions lead to right, or right assumptions lead to right conclusions. So, so that's what we dealt with. And then last Wednesday night for two weeks, we have dealt with why does God allow evil and suffering in the world? And the answer is an answer that many Christians today don't want to hear. Some don't even know about it. They don't know the answer. They think they know the answer because of what their pastor has told them or what other Christians have said. And yet if you look at the Word of God to find right assumptions, the, the answer is much different. And I would encourage you to go back to the Wednesday night teachings on YouTube and take a look at what we've learned. It's powerful. Um. Today I want to deal with the question, what is God's view on abortion? From the 1950s forward, there has been a growing voice in our nation advocating for abortion. It might have started out with just a very small number in the medical community, but it has grown strength in social circles in our nation. Until today, when it, in recent decision of the Supreme Court, our highest court, that struck down Roe versus Wade, the reaction of a once God-fearing nation was one of fury and scorn. You know what I'm talking about. It was so bad that there was even news coming out of Washington back in April of 2022 that our president and con congressional Democrats were threatening a bill to pack the highest court in the land. They're, they're, basically, if we don't like the decision that the Supreme Court has given us, let's put more people on the Supreme Court who vote the way we vote and get the Supreme Court right. I, I don't think that's what our founding fathers had in mind when they created the three branches of government. So, while the bill never made it to the floor, thankfully, the nation has never been more divided over the highly volatile subject of abortion. And what is the right answer to this never-ending debate? 
Well, I think the debate's over. I think it's been over from the beginning. But man's not willing to look for right assumptions to build right conclusions. They base their beliefs on lies of the enemy. And they build wrong assumptions. And they lead many people into wrong conclusions. As a shepherd, one of the shepherds of this flock, an under-shepherd of God, I'm going to give you the word of God today. You better be ready to write some scripture down. We're going to let God speak on, ab on abortion. Okay? So get your pen out. I'll give you just a second. And let's, let's get into the word of God. By the way, this message is not a message that will be a whipping post against those of you ladies who have had abortion in your past or men who have supported it or anyone in the medical field who has participated in it. It's not what this message is about. And we're going to see at the end, we're going to see how powerful God's redeeming grace really is. But we need to deal with the difficulty of of the truth. So if you listen to liberal theologians, if you listen to people who try to completely remove the Bible, they don't want you to be able to use the Bible. So here's what they say. You won't find anywhere in the Bible the word abortion. And they are right. The word abortion is not in the Bible. But don't think that means that God's word is silent on the subject of this vile sin of murder in the womb. In fact, there are several biblical principles that we can look to that shape how we see and how we understand this horrific sin. So let's, let me give you the first basic foundation of the Bible on life, okay? Here it is. Write this down. Number one. Every person is created by God. Every person. The basis of any right conclusion is to begin, as I said, with a right assumption. And the at the foundational level, the right assumption is, it's very clear, conception is never an accident. Let me say that again. Because some of us, while we are pro-life, we still think there might be reasons. Listen, conception is never an accident. And I'm going to prove it to you from God's Word. Okay, here's why. Because God personally creates every life. If God creates every life, how can there be an accident when He is a perfect creator? Let me give you some passages. Ready to write them down? You won't have time to turn and read all of them, but please write them down. Psalm 127, 3. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Over and over throughout Scripture, God exercises sovereign control over man's ability to have children. You hear me? God rules over, God is sovereign over man's ability to have children. Genesis chapter 16, verse 2. Listen to what it says. Sarah said to Abram, 
Behold, now the, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Next chapter, verse, chapter 17, verse 16. I will bless her, God said, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Genesis chapter 20, verse 18. For the Lord has closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Why? Why did she conceive? Because the Lord granted her prayer. He granted to give her life because of her prayer. 1 Samuel 1, 19 through 20. 1 Samuel 1, 19 through 20. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, here it is, listen to what Hannah said, I have asked him from, for him from the Lord. I asked for my son from the Lord, and the Lord gave me a son. Who's in control? Who's in full control of birth, conception? It's pretty clear, it's God. If that doesn't convince you, how about Ruth chapter 4, verse 13? Ruth 4.13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord, gave, the Lord gave her conception. He didn't just give her a birth nine months later. He gave her conception and she bore a son. Interesting, in the New Testament, it's not just the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul preaches this powerful sermon in Athens to the philosophers at the Areopagus. And he proclaims God's creative power and control. And listen to what he says. It's in, if you want to write it down, verse Acts chapter 17, verse 24. Acts 17, 24. Paul calls God, here it is, quote, the God who made the world and everything in it. Does that leave a fetus out? God created everything and continues to be the creator to this day. Nothing, including man, has come into the world apart from his creative power. Another verse, John 1.3. This is a wonderful, beautiful picture of Christ. All things... All things, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. Without Christ, there wouldn't be an infant in the womb. There wouldn't be a conception. Paul went on to make his point back in Acts at the Areopagus. He went on to make the point very clear. In case you didn't get the first part, Acts 17, verse 24, the next verse. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands 
as though he needed anything, since he himself, he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of you of our own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Amen? So to put it simply, we live because God gave us life. And it's not that, listen, that's not some distant God who kind of sets the automation in such a way so that people can just have babies on their own. No, no. Every life God knows about and God brings into existence. You got to think about that. What's the world's message for abortion? It's the woman's right to choose. What is that? That is an absolute blasphemy against God. They're basically saying, I will be my own God. This is the lie of Satan. And so many people in our world today have believed that lie. They really do think it's their choice. I've told you by the word of God through faithful truth, that is incorrect. That's a, false, that's a false assumption. But let's keep going. See, God's actually involved in the formation of every human being. Write that down. God is involved in the formation of every human being. Both David and Job credit the formative work of life in the womb to God. Hey, Brenton, can I get you to bring me a stool just to kind of lean against? One of the things I'm facing now, because I've lost so much weight, I went to my cardiologist on, on Friday, and he took me off of one med completely, praise God, and he's had to adjust another, cutting it in half because of my weight loss. Uh, I, my meds were off, and one of my meds is still, we're trying to, he didn't want to do anything yet but it causes me to be a little lightheaded at times. So uh, that's why I'd like to have a... Oh, there we go. Great. I want to use a stool this morning. But uh, it's all good. It's just uh, part of the process of, of getting, uh, getting back into a balance. Thank you so much, brother. So, turn to Psalm 1... Or not turn, but you can just write down Psalm 139 verse 13 through 16. Now I feel like Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> Preached the greatest sermon on American soil. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. And here's how he did it. He just read like this the Bible and his notes and his notes. And people were just falling into repentance throughout that service. So watch out. Okay. <laughs> Psalm 139, 13 through 16, Deb read that for us. For you informed my, in, uh, formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes see my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were, inf- were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Now let me tell you what Job experienced. Job chapter 10, verse 8 through 12. Job 10, 8 through 12. Listen what he said. That was David. Now listen to Job. Your hands fashioned and made me, and now you have destroyed me altogether. Remember that you have made me like clay, and you will return me to the dust. Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle, uh, and curdle me like cheese? You clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinew. You have granted me life and steadfast love, and your care has preserved my spirit. Does that not sound like a God that's intricately involved in the creation of life? This is our God. Listen, let me say it again. I'm going to come back to it. There are no biological accidents. That includes deformities, and that includes uh, abnormalities, and it includes disabilities. There are no biological accidents. God is over all, and He is in all, and He has a purpose behind all, whether we understand it or not. We don't worship God because He makes things the way we like them. We worship them because He's the Creator. And it's not our gig, it's his. He's the sovereign one. In Exodus 4.11, the Lord said, I like preaching from this chair, my goodness. (laughs) Exodus 4.11, the Lord says to Moses, who has made man's mouth? 